Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that this finds you and your family doing well today. I want to thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Now, this, as you might have already noticed, if you looked at the uh, particulars of this video, it is a longer podcast than what I typically do, but there is a lot in here. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Casey Butner, the pastor of Beulah Baptist Church in Winter Garden, Florida, as well as Tom Buck, pastor of First Baptist Church, Lindale, Texas. And we're going to cover an awful lot of ground here. So some of the things that we're going to talk about, we're going to be talking about the Revoice Conference, which is a kind of a, a, a gay affirming, quote unquote, Christian conference. Posture Shift, which is a curriculum but that is being used by First Baptist Church Orlando and any number of other churches to change their posture, shift their posture, as the name implies, uh, towards LGBTQ people. I'm going to be talking to Tom Buck about the He Gets Us campaign. You've probably seen some of these commercials on television, and uh, we're going to be talking about the North American Mission Board and I am North American Mission Board primarily, but NAM's connection to the uh, He Gets Us campaign and all of the issues with that, and there are a lot of them. Also, we will be talking about the latest update with First Baptist Church Orlando, not only baptizing homosexuals, but actually having a homosexual baptize someone else in the church's own baptistry and uh, the obvious concerns that are there. So there is a lot here. I'm going to have down below in the description a link to, um, one or two links to a couple of videos that I've done that are, are pertinent to some, some of the background information for this podcast, as well as stay tuned to the very, very end, uh, the telltale end, even after my closing logo, that will have a special announcement of an upcoming conference that uh, you might want to um, to come join us for if you're able to do so. So uh, down below in the description, not only is that link to that video, but uh, also timestamps for the different sections in this video because it's a lot of it. So if you want to come back later or go to a particular point, uh, you'll find the timestamps down below there that will help you navigate this video. There are some difficult things that we talk about here that Casey and Tom and I talk about. And I know I speak for these two pastors and brothers, friends of mine, that we do so purely out of concern and love for those involved and those who will potentially be involved or affected by these issues. So thank you very much, dear ones. Without any further delay, here we go. Casey, brother, thank you so much for joining me for another installment here. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me back, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I speak for both of us when when I say that this is not something that you and I want to do, wish it was not necessary to do in the first place, but but there is a lot going on in the SBC and, and specifically First Baptist Church Orlando, but um, is uh, indicative of kind of the uh, broader 
Southern Baptist Convention in general, the things that are going on, the capitulation to the world and specifically to the uh, LGBTQ movement and all that. So, uh, in Casey, there's a, a conference called the Revoice Conference that has been going on for several years. And uh, the Revoice Conference, I'm just going to show a screenshot from their mission statement. And it says their mission is to support and encourage gay, lesbian, bisexual, and other same-sex attracted, SSA, sometimes people will see that acronym, Christians, as well as those who love them so that all in the church might be empowered to live in gospel unity while observing the historic Christian doctrine of marriage and sexuality. So this is a conference that claims to be Christian, claims to have a biblical view of sexuality and marriage, and yet in their own mission statement, uh, they talk about gay, lesbian, bisexual Christians, which is a contradiction in terms. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the Revoice Conference and posture shift. So tell us what posture shift is and the connection between those two. Sure. And obviously, you know, we side with Scripture right away. First uh, John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So mm-hmm. you cannot claim to be a gay Christian. So the Revoice Conference is contrary from the very beginning. Right. Now, the Revoice Conference is what it is. Everybody knows what it stands for. If you watch just some of the videos there, it speaks for itself. So that is there. But on the conservative side of things, there's a connection that's bringing that false ideology into conservative churches and turning the dial, um, transforming them in a negative way. And posture shift is one of those means. Now, um, I've mentioned before that I don't seek after this stuff, but if it comes my way, then I don't shrink back. And so. Lots of folks have come to me who have been trained by posture shift and they've given me their manuals and they've told me, look through this. My heart is just aching at the missiological approach to inclusivism. And so I'll just let you read for yourself the mission statement there for posture yeah. shift. And yeah. um, these, these manuals, these course handbooks were they are from First Baptist Orlando. They're from their staff. They're from their volunteers. They're from their leadership there. And then they were told not to tell anybody that they went through this training. Now that's okay. just a bombshell. Yeah, I don't. I don't want people to miss that. So these individuals from inside First Baptist Orlando came to you again. You didn't seek this out. They came to you and they gave you these manuals. Posture shift. And they both told you that they were told by the church not to tell anyone that they went through this and the church is using this. Yeah. And so now they're put in a position to where, like, why are we doing something at the church that we can't herald, that we can't tell, that we can't, you know, just be authentic and real about? Well. Uh, right here inside the manual, I've got handwritten notes from these folks. I'll read you some of what the print says in the manual. Loving LGBTQ plus people in the church. We help church leaders enhance care and inclusion of LGBTQ plus within a biblically sound orthodox framework. Okay, so that's how it stand, how it starts. And then 
right on the next page in that highlight here. I'll read the highlight. A gospel of exclusion has no power to reach already banished persons. So this is a gospel of inclusion, not of exclusion. And you tell me what the gospel is. Is it inclusive or exclusive? Is it Christ alone? Yes. Exactly. And obviously you and I mean no harm at all to anybody. If the gospel is going to be exclusive, which it is, then we just simply proclaim the gospel and let the word of God do the work of regeneration in the people's hearts whom will be saved. But to change the gospel means that this is a different gospel. Yeah. And I cannot bring enough weight to the fact that we must have spiritual discernment about us. And this is the reason why people are coming. There's like, this is, there's something wrong with this. This obviously doesn't pass the sniff test nor the doctrinal test. So what do we do about it? Well, obviously you need to call it out. In fact, um, like to read from the legacy, first Timothy four, six and pointing out these things to the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ being nourished on the words of faith and of sound doctrine, which you have been following. So it's just simply being faithful to point out that which is in error to keep whom you love safe. And so some of the handwritten notes, some of the things that we're taking from this training, um, I'll just mention some. It says you'll be called a heretic uh, by taking this position. So uh, and it also says that uh, at the inclusion model honors God. It says that we're enhancing church inclusion. We're increasing family acceptance. And I mean, I could literally read notes for an hour or more, but notes on LGBTQQIAAAP plus people. That second Q was for questioning and how to reach them. Um, It's saying that they have a predisposition, right? And you need to include them to be a family. Well, our predisposition is sin. Right. Period. (laughs) Yeah. To include that and to affirm that is sin. Understanding um, that gender does not match the body's sex is something that they taught. Okay, say that again. So that's in the manual. That's in the manual. No, this is handwritten notes at this particular part. So they were coached to understand that the gender that they feel may not match to include this. And so they go on to talk about um, pansexual, bisexual, intersexual. I mean, the, the list of stuff goes on and on and on. But so you're it's an inclusive gospel. So you're including these people. And this is the reason why we go back to like the prior videos as to how First Baptist Orlando would justify baptizing a homosexual and placing them into service and getting them in the family and including them. And with the language of trying to pacify biblical Christians and saying, oh, we just we just want to get them around an atmosphere so that perhaps they will see the love of Christ and accept him. So it's changing missiology. It's changing ecclesiology. It's changing how we do church. You you cannot baptize and condone someone who is living in open sin, basically. So this is a missiological framework that includes those who would be so-called marginalized. 
Um, just a couple more things before we move on. Um, they've been coached to think like missionaries, uh, to reach and keep the LGBTQ plus people. And the components of a healthy missiological framework include community, a sense of family, meeting their needs, listening to them and not correcting them, learning rather than teaching. The key word here is being humble and patient. And then they add the word tolerant a whole lot. And so basically this is another gospel that's using biblical terminology, but changing things. And this is the reason why it's so confusing. So nevertheless, um, you have this training and that's the reason why, I mean, the, the title says it all. It's a posture shift. The posture that we take as biblical Christians founded on the word of God that is unchanging and sufficient. They're shifting away from that and changing things. And this is the reason why folks have come and they have said, man, we've watched the videos. And in addition to what you've already said, we need to go back a few years and let you know how this came about. And I was blown away at how strategic um, this training was years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is not a matter of just kind of, you know, the, um, being a little careless and letting things slip. This is a deliberate plan of action. This is a something they're training their staff people and lay leaders, mm-hmm. presumably as well. Right. So just to kind of make sure that people get the connections, there's connections between revoice and posture shift. And if you want to get specific, we can. Nate Collins is one of those um, who is a speaker for both. And he's a graduate of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, connected to both. And he would believe that it's okay to be gay. We could go on and on about the details, but we're not doing a documentary. We're just simply exposing the things that are happening. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a, this is something that a church pays for. They pay for the manuals, they pay for the curriculum or whatever. And so it's in, in all likelihood, I mean, it's not just First Baptist Orlando that's using this. There, who knows how many mm-hmm. other Baptist churches are, are using this. Yeah, exactly. And so posture shift is, is huge. And, um, and you think about something larger that's going on right now with this hundred million dollar campaign. He gets us. Yeah. Tom Buck yeah. did a good job with exposing mm-hmm. the fact that Kevin Ezell and Nam partnered right away with this heretical movement. And right. so he backed out, right? Well, big deal. That just shows that he's a pragmatist. Since he got a little bit of heat, he backed yeah. out and he apologizes or what? He meaning Kevin Ezell. Yeah. Kevin Ezell. Right. All right. Well, Dr. Tom Buck, pastor of First Baptist Church, Lindale, Texas. Uh, brother, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? I'm doing good. Good to be with you, Justin, as always. Good, good. You as well. You as well. Okay. So, Tom, uh, Casey and I, Casey Butner and I talked, have talked about um, the the Revoice Conference and the posture shift, which you just told me before we started recording that you have purchased a copy of and you've reviewed and you've seen, you've seen all the mm-hmm. problems with it. And, and, um, Talk to us a little bit more. We mentioned the He Gets Us campaign, but talk to us a little bit more. What is the He Gets Us campaign? Why is there such concern uh, with the connection to NAM? And um, you kind of exposed some of this stuff. So how did all that come about? Well, the interesting thing is I was watching uh, football about three weeks ago, and 
that he gets this came commercial. One of those commercials came up his first I'd seen of it uh-huh. and I saw it and I'm like, this something's wrong with this. So I went to the website and began looking around. Sure enough, it had problems all over the place. Uh, I entered into, I went into the chat room even then asked some questions to, you know, to see where they were theologically. And it was very sketchy. Uh, I even, uh, reached out to my associate pastor. One of my associate pastors, Gabe Hughes, and said, Hey, have you seen this? And so he was looking at it. We were examining some of the stuff. So little did we know that, you know, three weeks later or so that, uh, uh, Ed Stetzer and Kevin Azell would be doing a webinar. Uh, they did it on Wednesday, I believe, Wednesday of last week, not this week, uh, but the week before, mm-hmm. uh, promoting this whole thing. And talking about this partnership that Nam was having with them. And I'll tell you, it's really discouraging for me because I, I don't go looking for this stuff. Honest to goodness, it drops in my lap. Uh, I don't have the time to go look for these things. By the way, not to interrupt you, that's exactly what Casey Butner said about all the stuff with First Baptist Orlando. He doesn't go looking for it. It just, people bring it to him. It just comes to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, so when I saw saw it, you know, I'm like, he gets us. And of course, it'd been three weeks since I'd seen it. That's that's that same same campaign. So I uh, on, after I, I think I saw it on Thursday after the webinar came out. So less than 24 hours later, I began going back to some of the pl- pages that I had been on. Um, I didn't initially do any screenshots because I, honestly, the the campaign was so bad, the website was so bad that I never dreamed that it would be something that the SBC would be involved with because it's so far outside the Baptist faith and message. So I'll give you a, let me see if I can give you an example of a, of a couple of these things that I found. So I found um, one of the things that, that popped up for me um, was dealing with Jesus's anxiety. Okay. So uh, that Jesus experienced anxiety. And so like many people do, this is directly from their website. Uh, Jesus tried to escape to a favorite quiet place. I'll be glad to send you these clips so you can put them up to show people. Yeah. Um, it says a garden of old growth olive trees on the side of a mountain. He even brought a few friends for emotional support. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I shouldn't laugh. I know but it's, it, it's, it's some of it's corny as well yeah. as just bad theology. But overwhelmed with exhaustion, his friends couldn't stay awake as he pleaded with God to make his problems go away. His problems go away. (laughs) Yes. That's what they say about Jesus going to the garden. The garden of Gethsemane to pray when he says, you know, Father, take this cup from me. Not my will, yours be done. I mean... (laughs) Oh, and it says oh. next sentence, but this was a petition he knew wasn't going to be wasn't going to be answered. Jesus said his soul was grieved to the point of death. That's how uh he described the anxiety. He reportedly suffered uh hematoidrosis, is that how you pronounce it? I'm not sure. A rare condition caused by acute emotional stress where the sweat glands rupture, causing them to excrete blood. He tried to cope with his anxiety as best he knew how, and just like many of us, his coping mechanisms proved insufficient. Unbelievable. 
<laughs> no doubt it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, I mean, so that's what they said about Jesus having anxiety in the garden. Now, again, all of this was accessible. Uh, Kevin Zell, we'll talk about in a minute, should have known everything that was going on. I think he did know what was going on. But anyways, so let me let me read another one. So I just pulled up three different uh, three different uh, uh, things that were there. Um, the second one I read was he di- Jesus dined at the tables of the wealthy men whose riches were one with lies and corruption. Now this whole thing is to make Jesus a social justice warrior. Okay, so in uh, order to in order because they've got Jesus as a refugee, all of that kind of stuff. So in order yeah. to make Jesus get us and that he was a social justice warrior, this is how they explain uh, him eat, dining with sinners. Now both of you and I would both agree Jesus dined with people that the religious leaders objected to him dining with because mm-hmm. they were sinners. But it says he dined at the tables of the wealthy men whose riches were won with lies and corruption. He crossed over racial boundaries to eat with people who did not look like him. Now, where is that? Jesus never ate with Gentiles. Jesus, mm-hmm. n- n- at any time, he, he observed the law. So what racial boundaries did he cross? So you'll see they want to do whatever they can to uh, yeah. re totally tell a, it's a different Jesus different so that they Jesus. can make him social ju- social justice Jesus same name different person yeah now this may, again I only looked at three different articles I didn't even look at every single article so there may be stuff down there that's worse than this but it's just what I quickly found and it was bad enough but here was the worst one I found of this this group some some believe Jesus lived a perfect life. For others, that's a stretch. Either way, as we searched for themes to share, it became apparent to us that Jesus set a high bar for himself. No. I mean, that's, I mean, that's stunning. 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 So it doesn't matter if Jesus lived a perfect life. They say either way. But what he did was set a high bar for himself. Either way. Yeah. He just, he just tried to give 110%, you know, I mean, it, I, I, yeah. yeah. So here is their here is their description. Um, see if I can find this. This is from a. Okay, so this is a uh, an ad, not an ad, but an interview that they did of the guys who who did this uh, whole "We Gets Us" campaign. Um, and it talks about uh, McKendry. That's one of the guys that was involved said he gets us, has the, the same goal of playing the long game. Says They asked him, is the goal that people become Christians? He said, obviously, but more importantly, for now, we need to raise the unbeliever's level of respect for Jesus, and then they'll move. So he's saying, we've got to help people see that they res- if we get them to respect Jesus— then they'll move towards salvation. So this is beyond pragmatism. Yeah. Uh, this is a false Jesus, and they're inventing a false Jesus. So whatever Jesus they're moving to is not the Jesus not, of, the not Bible. Jesus of the Bible. They're ashamed of the gospel. Absolutely. They are ashamed. No doubt of the about gospel. it. Yeah. Uh, they, they've got to invent a social justice Jesus. For, for this group, you can, you need to go look at some of the videos. They have one video that they played and aired this weekend 
uh, interrupted my Tennessee Alabama game, which as a Tennessee fan, I was happy about that. Um, but it talked about Jesus. And you didn't at the beginning that doesn't talk about, you know, if you don't know it's Jesus, if you don't know the, that that's what they're trying to do, but right. they talk about uh, this gang leader and uh, they show pictures of uh, a clear tatted up gang leader. And Okay, dear friends, I want to show you the video of which Tom was just speaking, but before I do, I want to show you some statistics. Just out of curiosity, I went to the He Gets Us YouTube channel, and um, and I was stunned by what I found. Now, for comparison, I'm going to show you a screenshot of some of the stats of the He Gets Us YouTube channel as compared to my channel. So, let's look at this. There's 34 uploads on the He Gets Us YouTube channel. That means they've, they've uploaded 34 videos. For comparison, at this point, I have uploaded 156 videos to my channel. They have a little over 8,000 subscribers to their channel. By comparison, I have 166,000 subscribers. So I have about 21 times the number of subscribers to my channel as does the He Gets Us YouTube channel. But look at the number of video views. The He Gets Us channel has over 348 million views compared to my channel, which has a little under 14 million views. They have over 25 times the number of views on their channel as I do on mine despite the fact that I have 21 times the number of subscribers and what five times the number of videos that is absolutely stunning I could not believe my eyes when I saw that so what that shows is that this he gets us campaign is getting a ton of views millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people are watching this. So this false Jesus and false gospel is being broadcast to untold numbers of people all around the world, millions upon millions, tens of millions, maybe over a hundred million. Now, presumably some people watch, you know, one same person will watch multiple videos, but but nonetheless, I mean, you're, this is enormous. The reach of this He Gets Us campaign uh, is just enormous. And it's enormously troubling when you consider that this is a false Jesus and a false gospel. And anyone who trusts in the Jesus of the He Gets Us campaign, if they're trusting in that Jesus, they will die dead in their sins and go to hell for all of eternity. This is a big deal. And it is tragic that the Southern Baptist Convention, the North American Mission Board, and Kevin Ezell and Ed Stetzer have decided this was a, a good idea, a good thing to partner with. Just unbelievable. A rebel took to the streets. He recruited others to join him. They roamed the hood and challenged authority. Community leaders feared them. Religious leaders abhorred them. We have to get them off the streets, they said. But they weren't part of a gang spreading hate and terror. They were spreading love. 
he had his street guys he got off the street and and they were rabble rousers and so forth, but they were not hurting people. They were helping people. And, and that's who Jesus was. He was a gang leader. I mean, seriously, it's just, it's astounding. A gang leader who, who gets a good gang together to do good to people. And then they have another video where it pictures Mary or this young girl talks about a young teenage unwed girl who discovers she's pregnant and she's all torn up, distraught, puts her hand. So she's distraught that she's pregnant. And, uh, but this guy comes along and, and is willing to marry her. And, and uh, that's how Jesus was born. Uh, and then, I mean, it's, you know, they take bits and pieces of truth and then they mold it and twist it like a pretzel into their, uh, poorly uh, thought out theological or sometimes heretical uh, views. And of course, there's nothing necessarily heretical about that, but what they're trying to do is make Mary like a, an, an unwed pregnant right. girl that uh, is distraught that she's got pregnant. So if you're in this situation, that's how Jesus yeah. was born. And so, so forth. I mean, you, you think about that, you, you think about what they're implying and you carry that to its logical conclusion. So a, a single unwed mother today who finds herself pregnant. Okay. She got pregnant through a sinful act. Right. And they're going to compare that to Christ. That's exactly what they did. Wow. I have, no and that, I have no, that's, words. that's one of the running commercials. Um, you know, again, you can, We'll try to get all these links so you can put them at the bottom of your, and people can go watch it. Okay, so I wanted to watch this video as well, and so I found the one of which Tom was speaking, downloaded it, and I'd like you to see it, at least most of it. There are parts that I think are inappropriate because it shows this young uh, mother uh, with less clothes on, fewer clothes on than um, she should have, it's especially coming from a Christian uh, quote unquote uh, organization. So this is uh, this is it, and I just googled the uh, you know like the movie ratings icon or whatever on Google. Got an image of that to to cover up the parts that I think are inappropriate. So here we go. A young girl had a boyfriend. She got pregnant. She was scared. How could she face her parents? What would they say? can't hide something like that forever. Her parents asked who the father was. They assumed her boyfriend, but baby wasn't his. He loved her so much, he offered to help raise the child with her. They married and found a small place. They had very little money and no insurance. One evening, her water broke. There wasn't time to get help. He delivered the child and lay him in a manger. Um, so, I mean, at least he gets us is better than them. They don't scrub stuff. Uh, so, you know. At least uh, they have more and, integrity than the North American Mission Board. Yeah. That's, so, you know, but anyway, I, I digress. So I, I put those things up and immediately um, people started pushing back on. Uh, they started pushing back on them, as you might imagine. 
in fact, I was amazed how quickly it, it was. And I mean, people that I was would was kind of surprised at uh, it, it, that they got involved, if you will. And what I mean by surprised at is I thought that they might try to ignore it or look the other way. And because that's often what happens in the SBC. Now, I'm not going to mention their names because, you know, I'm not going to throw them under the bus. But the, these are some individuals that, uh, you know, are actively involved at some level in SBC life. OK. And so they were concerned about this and beginning to some of them said things publicly. Uh, some of them, uh, said things to me privately. I'm going to try to pull up one of these things here that was said to me. Okay. Um, cause I want you to, again, now this is secondhand cause they're telling me that this is what Kevin said, but they reached out to Kevin and said that, uh, Kevin said his motive, uh, was to promote, uh, use this as an opportunity to promote for, for good prospects. Um, and then the other thing that Kevin said, uh, was that he was going to do what he could. He did think some of the language was sloppy on there and he was going to work. And let me just quote here. He agreed that there were some, some problems and that he would work to try to get some of those articles edited. Okay. So, so if, so we know, <laughs> I know you can't ex- I mean. exactly listen, this is the same thing. Uh, Justin, that we got with the uh, living out stuff. Yeah. So this is almost identical to that. Yeah. Because I pointed out the problems with living out. They said, well, we just need, you know, you're misunderstanding them. We need to clean up some of the articles. And then I did that series and I, and I, and I went on the living out website and went to their portal where you could send messages. And I sent a message to them. I used a pseudonym. They said on the website they were trying to reach, you know, the target was a 15 year old, 15 year old boys. They kind of, that was kind of their demographic. So I said, I'm a 15 year old boy who would like to know how do I think about uh, being same sex attracted? And they point, they pointed me to this ministry. People can go look at this, at the article that I did on this. And that, and, and where I went and read where they pointed me to, what living out pointed me to, talked about going to gay bars and going to yeah. new beaches as a way to cope with this stuff. So once I expose that, the LGBT issue, that's when ERLC threw its hands up and backed out quietly. Okay. You're going to see the very same thing happen here, identically almost, down almost to the T, yeah. happen with what with NAM. So I put up the bad articles. Uh they say, yeah, they're a little sloppy. Uh Kevin's going to uh try to get these edited. Which, and I think that's what they would have done. I think they would have used that kind of thing and tried to stay in the program. So I decided that I, I went to their website again. He gets us. They had a place where you could ask questions. And so I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask some questions and see what kind of answer that I get. So um, I uh, I went to two different people. Uh, I have screenshots of this as well. It's been up on the Internet. But I said, I keep being told by some Christians that Jesus wouldn't accept me because I'm gay. Okay. Okay. So, okay. I say that. Uh, and the person responds back. Uh, Jesus loves and accepts everyone. And then I say, uh, back to this same person. Um, well, so you don't agree with my friends. I don't have to stop being gay to be a Christian. 
And the person said, as for my perspective, no, Jesus don't judge about that. Jesus don't judge about that. Yep. Theology is specifically what was said. Yep. So, um, again, that's their official site. Uh, there are some people that are angry at me and say that I'm a liar and I lie and I deceive these people. I used a pseudonym, yes. Uh, I asked a question of what someone who would ask who claims that they're a gay Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 you know, people have to judge one way or the other where they, they feel that what I did was sinful. But I've spoken to several pastors whom I trust uh, who have said, absolutely not. Rahab, they pointed to the oh, midwives. I was just thinking that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the, what's shocking to me, they're more upset they're, about that. Exactly. Exactly. Then they are the other, and they're not even equally upset because right. one local East Texas pastor lambasted me and said that I was doing subterfuge and it was sinful what I did. And it was evil and wicked. And he said, anybody ought to be able to just look at the site and see that there are problems. Well, Kevin is else than anybody, and he didn't see that there were problems. Apparently and I'm not. telling you right now, had, it was because I exposed that this group was LGBT affirming that that pressured uh, Kevin Izell. And the, it was not until after that nope. that all of a sudden they come out and give a a vague apology. Now, then I did a second thing. I went back again a few minutes later. I got a different person in the chat room and said, could you point me to a transgender-friendly church that won't tell me I have to change. Okay. First Baptist. Well, I, specific, <laughs> well, I, I did. I did. I probably should have put that zip code to see if they would have done that. I guarantee uh, but I didn't, they would have. I, I, guarantee. I didn't think quick. I didn't think quick enough, but I used Dallas area mm-hmm. and sure enough. And again, my specific question is I'm looking for a, uh, can you point me to it? Help me find, cause they had a church help, help me find a church. I said, help me find a church. That's a transgender friendly church who will not tell me I have to change. So I received, uh, an email within a couple of days and it said, my name is so-and-so and I'm responding to your message about finding a church that is transgender friendly. I would love to invite you to my church, uh, specifically the Dallas campus. Our church's motto is, where no one walks alone and we mean it. Now, people are upset. They're so happy. He's just inviting you to church. Well, let's remember that whoever this is got a message from he gets us that I was looking for. And he, that this person, you know, because I used a pseudonym, was looking for a transgender friendly church that wouldn't try to say I needed to change. So do I know that that person got that exact message? No, I, I don't know that, but they definitely use the word. I hear you're looking for a transgender friendly church. So they got that in part. Yeah. I'm surprised that they didn't get the rest of it. The person offers me no gospel. Uh, I, you know, I, hopefully that church would give the gospel, but that church should be ashamed of being a part of a, a, a group like this. Everybody said that's a solid church. It's a, the, the grad, the pastor's a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary. Well, so am I. But I wouldn't join with he gets us, and it didn't take me five minutes to find the theological errors there. So if you're going to link yourself to a ministry like that, and then that ministry comes out to be transgender friendly, then uh, you ought to be concerned about that church because there's no discernment in that church whatsoever. So the the next day, so this was all on Thursday uh, when I'm pointing this stuff out, 
Uh, the next day, Nam releases a statement. And again, you can put that up for people that want to see that. Um, and at first, I'm like, thank you that you pulled away. I was glad, kind of like when Living uh, ERLC did the same thing, and it pulled out of uh, Living Out. But after I resonated on the statement and went back and looked again at it, uh, meditate on it a little bit, um, what Kevin said was the reason that they pulled out is because this group, after upon further examination, this group is too broad for us. Now, what is that? I'm like, what does that really even mean? Mm-hmm. What, what, what he should have said is this group is teaching a false gospel, is teaching a false Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I, I should have seen this. I, I didn't see this. He did say it was on him. It's on me. It, that's true. It, it was. But yet he he makes it as palatable as possible. And then everybody and their brother praises Kevin for being uh, forthright. Well, then we find out on Sunday. So this is on Friday. He releases a statement. Um, I think about it more. I say on Saturday, he should have, Kevin should have said more than that. And then this past Sunday, which is the next day after that, uh, we discover that uh, the SBC logo is on Hmm. the He Gets Us page. Uh Um, And the person that discovered that, I think is, I think is uh, what used to be Reformation Charlotte. There's been so many people that have been involved in this. So I think that's Jeff Maples. I think he's the one who yeah. found it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And okay. He, he tweeted about it. And I went and looked it up and I took a screenshot uh, from the website. And the sponsors were the Southern Rebs Convention, the Seventh-day Adventists, the United Methodists, uh, the Church of God, um, Prophecy something. So it's the uh Church of God in Christ or No, it was oh, okay. I would have to pull it up. It's Church of God Prophecy Something. Uh and then the uh National Association of Evangelicals. Ted those were the <laughs> <laughs> well those those were the five sponsors, and the SBC logo was first. So um I didn't say much about it on Sunday because I you know was busy with the Lord's Day and um, but I did comment to Dissenter, I think is the name of the the Twitter handle now. Um, and I said, yeah, I was uh, shocked at this, that the SBC was supporting it. Someone then showed, because they did one of these Wayback Machines, whatever that is, um, and they, they found, they saw that it went all the way back to March. So all the way back in March, so seven months ago, the SBC logo was on the He Gets Us website as being a, as a being a partner. Um, how, yeah. How do you, how do you let something like this go? How does that go undetected for seven months? I mean, Tom, you don't, right. I said this to Kate, you don't have to be Columbo to find this stuff. I mean, it's right. I mean, you No, you don't. It took you all of what? A couple minutes on the website. Yeah, Some people say, do you not have more time? You got too much time on your hands. Do you not have better things to do? Well, if I, if, Five minutes, and here's the problem. Justin, I don't want to do this. I almost responded to Nam today in a survey they did that I didn't respond to because I thought this would just be too snarky. Uh, but Nam said, what's the favorite thing about being a pastor? And and one of the things was other, and you could write in there. One of my favorite things about being a pastor is to be able to do my job, to love my church, to preach the word, disciple people, while those who we pay in the SBC would do their job so that we don't have to do this kind of stuff. 
Uh, Kevin is always paid. I has to be six figures. Okay. So let's just say six figures. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve that if he was doing his job, but he's paid well enough to be able to take the two minutes that people shouldn't be upset that I took two minutes of my church's time. Yeah. They should be upset that I had to take two minutes of my yeah. church's time to go look at this. Uh, that's what Kevin is and his massive amount of staff. He couldn't get an intern to go look at this. He couldn't get somebody to go look at this site. But you should have known there was a problem when he was partnering with Ed Stetzer. There, yeah. I mean, there's no way. There, there's no way that, that stretches credulity to believe that Kevin Ezell and Ed Stetzer did not know of these glaring issues. This this is this is not high-level discernment stuff here. This is ground level. Nope. This is basic Absolutely. one-on-one. It's not splitting hairs. No. It's the very essence of the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. It's who he is. And if there's no biblical Jesus, there's no biblical Christianity. And that's why I said publicly, the problem with he gets us is they don't get Jesus. Right. And so you can't you can't partner with a group like that. But Kevin tried to make it sound like oh, all we were trying to do, or he didn't he did make it sound like all we were trying to do was give people an opportunity to have a partnership. Uh, with uh, to you know, with it, this campaign was going to go on anyway, with us, with or without us, and so we wanted to to do what we could to be able to get some of those phone calls. All we were doing was getting phone calls. Now that's what he said publicly that they were just partnering to take phone calls and help that. So that's what we heard on on Friday, and then on Sunday we found out the logo was there. Well, by Monday morning, when I post publicly about it. Guess what? That he gets his website had been scrubbed. What, like with a cloth or something? Well, no. Somebody from the SBC got a hold of Gets Us. He gets us. And overnight, after seven months, it's gone. It disappears. It's a miracle. So, yep. And so I call out the the uh, SBC executive committee publicly um, because I'm like, shh, shh. Wouldn't they have to approve the SBC, not the NAM logo, the SBC logo used? Yeah. The executive committee denied. They said never heard of it, never partnered with him, not, with them, none of that. This was all on Monday. So on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, I kept asking publicly, who is involved in this? Did he get us just do it themselves? I could not get an answer from NAM. Now, the interesting thing is, I asked the United Methodist Church publicly. I said, are you all partnered with them? And they answered me in a couple of hours publicly. I mean, I don't give a penny to, to right. United Methodists and, and wouldn't no give a penny. But they, they answer and, and, and tell us what, the, you know, that no, we, we're, we're not partnering with them. But NAM wouldn't even respond. Mm. It's, it's stunning. Uh, and I put up the same picture where the UMC logo was on there. So today, uh, someone got a hold of the entire webinar, I guess, you know, because it had been taken down, but somebody had recorded it and somebody put it up. And so I watched that. It's absolutely clear that Kevin and Sale knew everything that was going on, in fact, uh, and that it was a partnership. Because uh, I put up the clip today, you can see it on my Twitter feed, where that they they say, 
Uh, and now we're going to talk to Kevin Azell from NAM and talk about, we're so glad to have NAM partnering with us. This is, he gets us people. They're partnering with us and, and that they oh, have wow. their, and, and NAM is, has its own hub, going to have its own hub on the He Gets Us website. So they not only were going to have the logo on there, there was going to be a hub on the He Gets Us website that was directly linked to NAM. Joining us as your host today is NAM President Kevin Hazell, and we're grateful to have you with us today, Kevin. Well, thank you, Christy. It's a, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. And at NAM, everything we do is about the gospel. And that's what ex- excites us most about this particular campaign. There are two, over 281 million people who do not have a relationship with Jesus, approximately. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what excites us most about the He Gets Us campaign. And also, I'm very excited to always have my very good friend, Ed Stetzer, with us today, who's going to really walk us through this process. And Ed, would you mind just sharing a little bit about uh, how your connection to He Gets Us? Yeah, glad to do it. Thanks, Kevin. Good to see you. The He Gets Us campaign is actually the most significant national effort uh, this media campaign to really help foster a conversation about Jesus. So I'm I'm technically on sabbatical. I'm not very good at sabbaticaling, uh, but I'm uh, I'm actually here in Oxford University teaching for the uh, we say fall, they say autumn, but I'm actually taking the time because I think this is such a significant moment. I've retooled a lot of my sabbatical time to really help people talk about and get engaged in the He Gets Us campaign. And so and I'm happy to today to really uh, partner uh, and share uh, with Southern Baptist leaders, North American Mission Board and beyond to share about He Gets Us. There's the campaign and the campaign is something that the uh, the folks, the campaign comes from this, the, the folks are giving this 501c3, donors are giving this 501c3, and they're working with Haven that's working with other groups to create these really world-class ads. And the ads aren't uh, you know, they're not geared towards uh, people in the church. They're geared towards people who are not in the church to hope, help foster some conversations about Jesus. So that's the campaigns. Raise the respect and relevance of Jesus. Call on Christians to reflect Jesus more, more authentically. So i got to interrupt here. He says the campaign objectives of He Gets Us is to raise the respect and relevance of Jesus. We've just seen that the Jesus of the He Gets Us campaign is a false Jesus then to call on Christians to reflect Jesus more authentically by presenting a false Jesus. It's just, you can't even make this stuff up. And, and how they love others. Yeah. So we're going to unpack this a little bit because one of the things that we're doing is, is we're providing a hub that, because uh, SPC churches want to get engaged and involved. This video sits on that. We'll sit on that hub. And, um, and the way that the resources will be there, you can actually, uh, you know, can see a mock-up, right? So, uh, but the idea is, is that uh, there'll be uh, all the resources in a uh, one-stop shop for people to, uh, if they want to, like churches want to come, they want to sign up and kind of engage some of the resources. Uh, the, some of the different resources will be there. Now, there are some resources that we've created at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. I had the privilege of overseeing that process from our team, but also uh, resources that come from the North American Mission Board, getting evangelism resources out to the churches, uh, as well. So let me talk to Kevin just a little bit about that. Uh, and Kevin, we, I know we're, cause I've been, I, I just spoke at a, at a, I don't know, cause I mentioned another denomination. I just spoke at another denomination, the evangelical Presbyterian church, and all they could talk about was three circles and who's your one. So I do love how 
uh, how uh, NAM resources are, are actually impacting and permeating different denominational traditions. But there's some, he gets us things, or some Wheaton College Billy Graham Center things too, but tell us some of the resources that will be available there from the North American Mission Board. Sure. Every resource we have. I mean, who's yep. your who's your one, three circles, and many, many others. Uh, all we're trying to do is help churches engage people. Now, listen to this section where Kevin Ezel seems to anticipate that some pastors, once they look into the He Gets Us campaign, will see obvious problems. Listen carefully to this because he seems to kind of give it away here that he knows there are some problems with the He Gets Us campaign. And that's why I encourage pastors, look, don't sweat it. You're like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm nervous about this or nervous about that. Then don't use it. I, I would, I would, it's a tool. that It's an incredible tool that we're not spending one dollar for. And so that's why I was like, look, if, if, if I were pastoring today, I'd use every opportunity I possibly could. And it, we're putting all the uh, NAM resources uh, on there. But so we're just incredibly grateful that he gets us team as including Southern Baptist in this and allows us to have a hub that will serve as Southern Baptist who want to participate. Wow. And then Kevin goes on and talks about how great this is. Uh, Stetzer talks about what a great program it is. Kevin says he wants to ask. This is a great opportunity. We're so thankful that he gets us for being willing to to include Southern Baptists in this. And this will be great for Southern Baptist churches as conversation starters for evangelism. And then he says, now, some people are going to have a problem with some of this stuff there. And this is before we point anything out. So he knew. He knew. Because, he knew. Or he wouldn't say that. Right. And he said, and then he says this, but those those people aren't really, uh, don't care about evangelism. That's what he essentially says. So those of us that have problems, with it being said that Jesus has anxiety and that he, his coping mechanisms failed him when he was took his buddies to the garden who got too tired and sleepy uh, so he could talk about his problems, right? I mean, that's how they describe Jesus. This Jesus who doesn't matter whether he was perfect or not. This Jesus who, um, uh, who ate with people of different, uh, of different race than, than he was. And of course we would understand that in our culture today, we would we would obviously say Jesus should eat with people that don't look like him, right? Just like we should. But in that day, yeah. the, the Jews were separated from the Gentiles, so they just muddy the waters of everything, right. and they take the the um, uh, framework of modern social justice and just put it on top of Jesus. Yep. And selling these shirts, making him look like a thug, all of these things. Oh. So there are serious problems at Nam. Uh, you have the Southern Baptist Convention being linked to a theologically uh, vacant, uh, heretical theologically—it's—it's it's void, devoid of the gospel. Yeah. Theologically, it's—it's it's heretical, uh, and I don't care whether Nam gave them money or not. I don't care whether the Southern Baptists gave them money or not. It, what matters is they were partnering with them, mm-hmm. and they were headed down that road. And had we not said anything publicly about it. Your NAM church plants would have been steeped in this. They would have been using it. And somebody today uncovered, I think it was dissenter again, and because they went on and filled out a church form to join. You actually have to pay he gets us money for them to send you the names of people that contact them. So you pay them so much a month and they'll send you names 
that call up on their commercials. Because this is not Nan preaching the gospel and giving names to he gets us. This is he gets us giving a false gospel. And then if you're lucky, Nan will get some of those names. It's not even cl- remotely the same thing. Right. It, it is a train wreck. And the SBC needs to do something about this. Kevin Azell is off the rails. And why he can do this stuff while the trustees sit back and do nothing is beyond the pale. This is one of the worst things. I thought I'd seen it all from them, but this is worse than women pastors. There, there are some women pastors that I've heard speak a true gospel. Okay, I've heard Benny Hinn preach the true gospel, but yeah. So it's it's a bad ecclesiology uh, women pastor issue. Um, This is on the same level, or this is not even. This is even different than than them partnering in First Baptist Orlando because. Uh, First Baptist Orlando is is the one promoting the false gospel, and Nam says, "Well, we don't have any choice but to help them because they're in the Southern Baptist Convention. We're going to leave that up to the Executive Committee." I disagree with that. I think Nam should pull the plug. But this is a direct choice of Nam that Kevin and Zell entered into a partnership agreement with. He gets us. So this is worse than than uh, women pastors being in church plants. This is worse. Then even them saying, okay, uh, we'll send money and let Orlando plant the church because there they're arguing, you know, that the convention requires them to help cooperating churches. Our hands are tied. There's nothing we can do. I don't agree with that. But in this situation, mm-hmm. Kevin Azell is willingly entering the partnership and promoting it to Southern Baptist churches and most likely putting the SBC logo up on the He Gets Us website. It, yeah. It's got to stop. And if it doesn't stop, I don't trust anybody in the SBC now. It's time for Dr. Moeller to speak up. It's time for Danny Aiken to speak up. It's time for uh, um, every single one of the presidents to speak up, for the executive committee to speak up and say enough is enough with Kevin Azell doing whatever Kevin Azell wants. Yep. Because now the the gospel's being damaged in a very direct way. Absolutely. Absolutely. But as you know, Tom, in the SBC, Numbers, Casey and I talked about this. You'll see it in the full video when you when you watch it. But numbers, numbers is the golden calf of the SBC. That's it's pragmatic. They want numbers for the sake of numbers because it looks good in their reports, you know. And and truth that's um, that takes a, a distant backseat. Yeah, and you know, just a little play on words there. We're acting like Israel in the Book of Numbers. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. we're 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 not faithful. Right. And God is yeah. going to judge us. I think yeah, he already no, has. Yeah. That that's the thing. I mean, that's that's I, I cannot tell you how often those questions just roll in my mind. Like, do these people not believe that one day they'll stand before a risen Christ with eyes of flaming fire and feet of burnished bronze and have to give an account? To him, do they not really believe yeah, that? And he'll and coming? he'll have zero anxiety he'll have zero anxiety. Yes. Yeah. When, when that day comes, <laughs> Jesus they will, will not, have. I told Tom on the phone later the Jesus of the He Gets Us campaign. If you were to meet that Jesus in the airport, he'd have an emotional support animal. They will have anxiety and their and their coping mechanisms will fail them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, Jesus, I have, I'm fed up with it. Um, and like I said today, 
it's the same pattern over and over again, whether it's the RLC or NAM or whoever it may be. They make they they unite themselves as an SBC entity unites itself with a a doctrinally unsound organization. Faithful SBC pastors discover it and expose it. The SBC entity waits to see if it'll blow over. Right? They don't answer immediately. Oh, they wait to blow over. Yeah. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please. Then when it do- if it doesn't blow over, they make a vague statement, backtracking. Then everybody praises the SBC entity and leader for having the integrity to back out of the bad agreement to begin with. And the pastors who pointed it out are uh, lambasted and accused of being troublemakers. That's, yeah. That is the cycle in the SBC right now. Yeah. And nobody cares. Nobody no. cares. No, not it. Not not in the people who can do something. I call upon every trustee member of North American Mission Board to to have the the intestinal fortitude and the moral integrity to stand up and say enough is enough with this stuff, and to hold Kevin Isel accountable. And what ultimately needs to happen is he needs to be removed. This is not a rookie mistake. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. a, a a veteran ongoing mistake that now has metastasized into one of the biggest egregious uh, shameful things that's happened in the SBC in a long time. This there is so outside the Baptist faith and message. Why would they partner with somebody whose view on Jesus doesn't even remotely resemble what we have in the Baptist faith and message? Right. Right. And and the Bible is not unclear, Tom, about how we are to deal with false teachers. They're not to be coddled. They're not to be partnered with. They're, we're not right. to hold their hands. They are to be marked and avoided. Romans 16, 17. Uh, the evil deeds of darkness are to be exposed, have nothing to do with evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose right. them. Right. This, uh, you know, First Corinthians 5, 11, uh, we're, we're, if, if there's any so-called brother who is you know, reviler, fornicator, adulterer, all those things with such a one, not even to eat. And and, and that would include any organization that calls itself Christian yet has a different gospel, has a different Jesus. This is worse than Joel Joel Osteen. I don't think Joel Osteen would say that Jesus, I think he would say that Jesus was perfect. Don't you? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, he would. He would. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. He so I, I'm 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 not promoting Joel Osteen. I'm just saying that I'm trying to show how bad this is. Joel Osteen, I think, would even say Jesus is perfect. These people said it, it doesn't matter. Now Joel Osteen's going to preach next week with 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 or without me, right? He's going to preach whether I join him or not. It's going to happen anyway. So maybe I should partner with Joel and see if he'll uh, send me some of his his contacts. Nobody <laughs> would do that. So to say that he gets us is going to happen with or without us. So we might as well join them. Is the lowest form of of, of logic, of, yeah. it's illogical in, in every respect. Yeah. But that's what we have running uh, the, the NAM. He is a pragmatist to the bones. Yep, yep. And God, Tom, God has ordained not only the end, but he has ordained his means to that end. And you you can't sin in the means to a desired end, no matter how noble that end may or may not be, you can't sin in in the no. venue to get to it. You know, 
I've, yeah. I've gave this illustration one time to a, a friend of mine. I said, uh, let's suppose I could guarantee you an audience of, of 10 million people and you could have their complete attention for an entire hour to just preach the gospel. You, you have their complete undivided attention for a full hour to do nothing but preach the gospel to 10 million people. But to do that, you would have to, uh, murder a, a child to get to that end, to have that opportunity. Would you do it? Of course not. Of course not. Right. No matter how good the desired end may be, if you have to sin in the means to that end, it, yeah. it, it's sinful. So, right. You, and we're not going to murder the character of Jesus right. in order to get names. Right. Which and is that's, exactly and what this he gets exactly, us to do. Absolutely right. That is not the Jesus that the no. Bible presents. No. And to remake a Jesus is to make an idol. They made another God. They broke the, yeah. per, the, 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 the commandment, the, the first uh, three commandments, clearly in how they handled their treatment of, of Christ. That's uh, right. They painted for the world a different Jesus. Different Jesus. Um, so I, you know, and I don't even care at this point if he gets this, comes out and says, well, yeah, we really do believe Jesus was perfect. And somebody said that they do believe that, but, but that's not what they said. They said it, it's, it doesn't matter if you believe that. Some people find it hard to believe. Well, it most certainly does matter. Yeah. If Jesus was not perfect, he could not have been, he could not have been the sacrifice of, of atonement for us. Uh, an imperfect Jesus does not save people perfectly. This, this is such basic stuff, Tom. I mean, this is such yes, basic is. stuff. How do you, yeah. Anybody, any, any man that cannot, or man or woman or whatever, cannot see the fundamental problems with this and, and would not have the, do the due diligence to at least find them. And there's no way. I, I do not believe that Ed Stetzer and Kevin Ezell did not know what the He Gets Us campaign is about. I don't believe that. Not for us. And I think that the evidence of why you don't have to believe that is because they pushed the partnership for seven months at least. You had Kevin and Zell admit that that there were some people that would find problems with the website, mm-hmm. but they just they just don't have a heart for evangelism, you know, if they yeah. do that. And then he he had, according to the person that one of the people that talked to him, he knew that some of those articles needed to be cleaned up, and he was going to try to help do that. Well, if if they need to be cleaned up to that level, then I would think you do that in the seven months before months before you promote it for seven months and before you launch a video telling everybody to get involved. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I I pray to God that nobody saw that webinar and signed up their church for it. And there are people that are gullible enough to just believe that whatever the SBC recommends or NAM recommends, they should do. Oh, yeah, Um, of course. Course, and absolutely. and because because they want to trust, mm-hmm. you know, most pastors they want to trust their SBC leaders. They don't want to take the time to go through the website. There, no, they should, right? Because I shouldn't give anything to my church that I haven't looked at either. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I think they they don't want to have to to spend the time doing that, so they just trust their leaders. Um, and we we're going to have that in our church, right? If I if I give something to our Sunday school teachers. Uh, most of them are not going to um, dig deep as deep into it, and they might come across something later if they have a question. If there were if there were something that was egregious or an error, but they're not going to go through that with a fine tooth comb because they're trusting 
that the reason that we're their pastors and their shepherds is to protect the flock, and we're not going to give them poison. Yeah. My kids shouldn't have to sit down at the table and test the food. They shouldn't have to have a food taster like a king that right, they right. Can mom and dad might give them poison. No, they're trusting that yeah. I'm giving them food that's not going to kill them. Yeah. Well, we should be able to do that with yeah. with our leaders. Yeah. Uh, and if I have to go through and comb through every single doctrinal uh, statement or or, or uh, teaching that's on a website, when the SBC has told me that I can use it and should use it, I, I can't trust them anymore. I don't want anything to do with that. And no Southern Baptist church at this point should trust Kevin Azell or the North American Mission Board for anything. No. Because we know they haven't been honest about the women pastors. We know that they're not being honest about their partnership with FBC Orlando. And now we know that they uh, have linked up to a group that totally distorts the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, he has a track record. I mean, there's, there's, he has, he has a track record of proving himself to not be trustworthy. So absolutely. And I hate, listen, it does not do me any, it does not give me any pleasure to say that. Mm-mm. This is not, I don't have any animosity towards Kevin Azell. But folks, this is the gospel. Yeah. This is Jesus Christ. If you care at all about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you should want to get rid of somebody who, out of leadership, who has put forth a false Christ. If you have any love for Jesus, if you have any loyalty for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you must not tolerate this, and and you must not overlook it. And I hope he repents. He should. But part of repentance at this point should be to say that he needs to step aside. If any pastor did this, he should step down from his office because he was derelict in his duty. Over and over and over. Yeah. Yes. Over and over and over. This is not the first thing. So, yeah. But it's probably the worst thing up to this point. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kevin Ezell and Ed Stetzer both have proven themselves to be untrustworthy. Well, uh, Ed Stetzer is, I mean, he's the same guy who knew about Kevin, uh, excuse me, Alex Malarkey, the boy who claimed to have gone to heaven. Right. He knew that Alex Malarkey had rescinded that story. I had email exchanges with him. I told him this and, um, and he blew it off. Back when he was on the one of the uh, on staff at Lifeway, you know, one of the higher ups at Lifeway, and uh, anyway, then the story made international news. Right, seven months after this, then Lifeway comes out and said, "Oh, oh, we, we just learned about this. So we're going to pull the, you know, few remaining copies that we have on ourselves, pull them off the shelves. You know, upon learning about this, that's a flat out lie. It's a flat out lie. So he's got a track record. So. Yeah, and and you know, it's bad enough. Um, I forgot Malarkey's first name. What is his first name again? Alex is the boy. Alex, Alex. and his father. Right, Alex. Yeah. It, it's it's it is shameful enough that Ed Stetzer would essentially use Alex for his own purposes in order to claim that he's trying to win people yes. for Christ. So he'll take a young boy like that who obviously uh has uh the physical issues that he has, what he's suffered and dealt with in life. But there is something worse, and that's taking Jesus Christ and doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And so he was willing to use Alex as a prop 
in yep. order to further his own agenda. Yep. And now he's willing to take the name of Jesus Christ and to allow it to be distorted while he's claiming that this gives us opportunity for people to like Jesus yep. and to feel comfortable with Jesus, but yep. a Jesus that's not in scripture. It, it breaks my, I don't get it. It's hard for me to even understand because I do not see how a faithful Christian could do such a thing. No. I don't see how a Christian could do such a thing, Nor but I certainly, I certainly can't see how someone who is, uh, at, you know, at Wheaton college at, uh, being a pastor at Moody church, uh, who has been on Lifeway, uh, who, why does anybody even listen to this man anymore? He has no integrity, no credibility whatsoever. And now we're at a point where this, I am righteously indignant at this. Should be. And I pray that I don't sin in how I respond to it, be angry and do not sin. But I'm not going, I'm not letting the sun go down on the cause of my anger regarding this. This needs to be exposed and, and let the heretic who is passed on heresy do it no more, you know, yeah. and not let the thief who steals steal no more. Right. But they, they need to stop it. They need to stop doing this stuff. They need to start giving a pure gospel. And then they need to do something that can be shared with others that will actually lead them to Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I thought earlier from, I think it's James 5.11. James 5.11 says that um, wisdom from above is, first of all, pure and then peaceable. Mm-hmm. And I've often said you cannot have purity without, or cannot have peace without purity. Yeah. And the reason right. there's so much, a lack of peace in the SBC is because there's a lack of purity. Yeah. Yeah. And there, you know, the big um, people are always talking about unity, unity. We need unity. Well, any unity that you have that comes at the expense of truth is a false unity. That's an illusion. That's a facade. So there is no unity that comes at the expense of truth unless you want to be unified in error. But um, so it's a shame. It really is a shame. Well, Tom, thank you. Thank you, brother, for walking us through all this. That was very helpful. I learned a lot. I learned some stuff I didn't know. So um, thank you. Any any closing thoughts? Well, I think, let me say this, because I didn't say it in, in, obviously, in what I was talking about. I still stand by everything I've said. But we need to pray for Kevin Zell, and we need to pray for, for Ed Stetzer. We need to pray that the Lord will bring them to repentance, uh, that they will not be held uh, captive any longer by Satan, because I think that's to do his will. I think that's exactly where they are right now. I know that's a strong statement. No. Now, I know that people will say it says correct them in gentleness. And I encourage people to go look at that word gentleness that's used in the Sermon on the Mount, that's used in Second Timothy. Uh, that word uh, literally meant, uh, as they talked about, E. Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about this, that it it it, ta- it means to be angry about the right things at the right time, to not be angry about the wrong things at the wrong time. It's yeah. having a right uh, frame in which you you address something. So it's not being in, in gentleness is not that we never speak sternly or strongly or or directly. Jesus did that. Yeah. I don't think Jesus was gentle at some times, but then at other times he was stern. No, I think he was gentle in both situations. He gave the right amount of force to every single situation. Yeah. And that's where that's what gentleness is. Gentleness right. is not some soft tone, 
uh, mealy mouthed, effeminate type of way of talking about things. Uh, right. it, it is a it's the right amount of force for the situation at hand that's yeah. not steeped in unrighteous anger. But there's a place for righteous indignation. And when we are righteously indignant and we give the right amount of force to something, that is gentleness. And yeah. so we need to we need to correct these men with gentleness. We need to pray for them that God would grant them repentance so that they will no longer be held ha- captive to do the devil's will. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. And if they're truly repentant, I'd say this because I've said it about other uh, false teachers that I've dealt with. True repentant, real repentance bears real fruit and tangible yes. fruit. And so if they're truly repentant, in my estimation, and I think you've already said it, if they were truly repentant, then the fruit that that would bear, they would realize that because of their track record, they've they've lost credibility and they're not in a position yes. to lead. And so they would resign and step down because they're not, they don't have the credibility. They don't have the qualifications to do what they're currently doing. No, they do not. So step down. All right. Well, Tom, thank you, brother. Thanks, brother. Love you and appreciate your ministry. You as well. You as well, Tom. Thank you so much. God bless. You do. So I appreciate Tom Buck and his mm-hmm. Twitter feed and, ex- you know, exposing all these things and keeping it public because let me tell you, Kevin Ezell is going to have it handed to him here pretty soon because this lawsuit with McCraney is coming to a head and the facts are coming to the surface. Uh, McCraney has been encouraged to settle outside of court. And also he has made it public that he would be willing to settle outside of court for the things that Kevin Ezell has done to him through uh, the North American Missions Board. But now I would like to say to him as well as for some advice that I got earlier today that McCraney should not settle outside of court because that would let Southern Baptist down. He would say, no, we need resolution here. We need to know NAM's finances and what they're doing. We need all of this stuff exposed. So Kevin Ezell um, is going to have some facts um, to deal with here in the next year, in my opinion, because the lawsuit can't be um, delayed over and over and over forever. And now that's coming up here pretty soon. So I'd keep your eyes in your ears, uh, you know, peeled for this. This is, I mean, like we said before, folks have had a hard time swallowing the facts that we have mentioned. And they're like, ah, this can't be happening. This, this, there's, there's, there's no way. And we've said very clearly, it is happening and the truth will continue to rise to the surface. And that's the only reason why I bring that up is because more and more keeps coming up. And so how much do folks need to be able to see what is true? Okay, the North American Mission Board and Southern Baptist connected themselves with this He Gets Us campaign. How much discernment does it take to recognize that that's a heretical movement? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a. You don't have to be Columbo to figure out that he gets us campaign is thoroughly heretical. I mean, it takes you all about 10 seconds on a Google search. Just go to their website and it's just patently obvious that this mm-hmm. is an aberrant movement, this aberrant organization that is that is not even loosely tied to historical Christianity, not in not in any meaningful sense, not in an orthodox sense. So in in uh Kevin Ezell and NAM, the North American Mission Board, had Tom Buck not exposed this, 
they'd be rocking along just fine to this day, you know, like nothing's amiss. So, so um, have you ever heard it said mm-hmm. that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still? Still. So exactly right. That's true. And, you know, when it comes to ecclesiology and how you do church, here's the thing. What we're calling for is discernment from people to take a look at how a church actually does its ministries and the philosophy of preaching, the philosophy of ministries and missions. When you look at a church, by example, one of the flagship churches in the Southern Baptist Convention is First Baptist Orlando, a stone's throw away from here. The reason why we're talking about First Baptist Orlando so much is because we have the facts but it typifies the direction and the convictions of the Southern Baptist conviction uh, convention. Now, if Kevin Ezell hadn't gotten some heat from he gets us, I believe with all of my heart that the partnership with the world would have been taken on by churches like First Baptist Orlando because it's the popular thing to do. But James 4, 4 says you make yourself an enemy of God if you partner with the things of the world. But this is the philosophy in the Southern Baptist Convention, and this is, the, by and large, what's being demonstrated on a large scale. Now, not everybody is given to pragmatism, but those families who are inside of churches who have these churches that are members of churches who are pragmatic, um, my, my thing is here, open your eyes. Look, for example, at whom First Baptist Orlando had in the, the preaching uh, hour on worship for, you know, for Sunday morning here as of recent. Yeah. They prostituted the preaching of Word of God for comedy, and the comedy was grotesque. Yeah. Within the first couple minutes, this yeah. gentleman went right into taking people who are in the house of God, looking for the purity of the Word of God, right into thinking about an immoral place and yeah. where immoral things happen. We're going to have some fun today. I'm already, I got jokes already popping in my head right now. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have some fun. We're going to laugh. Some people think that you shouldn't laugh in church. My response to that is always, what good father doesn't want to hear his children's laughter in his house? So we get to laugh. It's going to be fun. I was hanging out with Pastor David earlier or yesterday. He took me out to eat. It was awesome. What was that place? Hooters. Oh, that's right. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm just playing. I didn't go. <laughs> went by itself, man. <laughs> and it was it was a joke, but but still, I mean, this is this is Sunday morning where you're you're up mm-hmm. to exposit the holy emphasis upon holy scriptures, and you're immediately putting images in, in people's minds and taking them down to the gutter. And what's so what's even worse than that, Casey? I, I mean, you could you could some might say, oh well. You know, David Youth didn't know that this comedian was going to say that. Okay, he probably didn't. But it's on their YouTube channel right now. They didn't even go yeah. in and, and clip that part out. It's like, ah, yeah, no big deal. You know, this yeah. is fine. This is fine. Yep. It's just, you know, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is the very basics of Christianity. And we just simply cannot stand to see good people being deceived. And what for? Yeah. In, in Casey, for those who might say, because your church has left the SBC. I have not been in the SBC for 12 years. I was born and reared SBC, but um, I, I left it 
or 12 years ago. And someone would say, well, you guys are out of the SBC. Why do you care? Why are you still picking on the SBC? Because people, you know, we're not bringing to light heresy and um, heterodoxy in like the Episcopal church, the United Methodist church. I mean, those are apostate mainline Protestant dominant. You expect heresy there. You expect mm-hmm. Southern Baptists claim to be people of the book, claim to have a high view of scripture, claim to have conservative theology. And yet we are seeing capitulation to the world on so many levels, but especially this, you know, with LGBTQ stuff that five years ago, nobody would have ever dreamed the SBC would be compromising on. And yet they are and there. And there are some good uh, pastors left in the SBC. There are some of them are friends of mine. They're good guys and they have a high view of scripture, but I tell you what, it is, it is getting so bad in the SBC. We're, we're soundingly alarmed to, to reach the sheep that are, that are still in these churches and hopefully open their eyes to, to what's going, the house is on fire. The mm-hmm. SBC house is on fire. And I, I'll speak for myself here. I believe that the SBC is under the judgment of God. I think this is what judgment looks like. Um, and it's time for the good guys, the good churches to get out. You know, I don't, you don't want to be holding on to a ship that God himself is sinking. And I think that's what's happening with the SBC. Yeah. You know, we're just simply being faithful for what Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, to continue on. Some have shipwrecked their faith. We get that. But good sheep do not need to feel like they need to stay in these atmospheres. And nor do they need to give to these cooperative program means. I'm, I'm getting um, endless emails from associate pastors who were saying, my senior pastor doesn't get it. He defends the SBC and he won't even talk about it. I'm getting emails from Sunday school and Bible study teachers who say, Casey, I, I see it clearly, but uh, my church is sold out for the cooperative program. And the list goes on and on and on. They're asking me, where do I send my giving? Because I, I just can't in good conscience continue to send. And they ask me questions about NAM and the IMB. And I'm only able to give them the information that's been given to me. I have missionaries who have left the International Mission Board um, call me. And they're in Asia. They're in China. They're in Africa. They've said, we have left and raised our own support. And in doing that, and this is a, a common theme, that they have felt like the IMB has made it out to where they'll never be able to return to missions again if they resign and leave. But what they're finding is that when they go back home and they stand for righteousness, that they're able to raise their own support. And there are a lot of churches right now who are shifting their giving from the cooperative program to individual missionaries and taking on individual missionaries and supporting them with the hopes of the future of going on mission with their own missionaries and bringing them back for personal testimonies. And this is truly a phenomenal thing because it is igniting the spirit of missions back within the local church rather than just paying and sitting. So this is a great thing. And the facts are there. So the, the whole thing right now, is just something that obviously I left the Southern Baptist Convention and our church voted unanimously to leave the Southern Baptist Convention as well. 
And that's a, that's a long process. That's not just a knee jerk thing. And I'm proud of the churches that have also contacted me and say, Casey, we went through this process of educating our people. And, um, and we spoke with each Sunday school class individually or leadership individually went through a, you know, a good process of educating them. And when we were ready, we voted as well. And we were surprised at how unanimous the vote was. And yeah. so I've got the emails, I've got the facts, I've got the churches, but again, just to, to spare us the time, I'm just saying that there are a lot of churches that are leaving the Southern Baptist Convention. This whole thing is hemorrhaging churches, and they are becoming more biblical and on fire for the Lord, case after case after case, yeah. as to why we should be more biblical in the way that we're doing church and missions here. So nevertheless, I yeah. work hard at uh, the truth. I value the truth. The truth is the most important thing, and it'll set you free. And since we have voted as a church to not be Southern Baptist and I'm no longer constrained by all of that, I truly feel a lot freer. It yeah. is amazing. You don't really realize what you're yeah. under until you get out from underneath it. Yep. I know. And when you think at it objectively, you're like, wow. Yeah. Because you're free from the political entanglements and, and losing sleep over what the SBC is doing and how you're going to fix it, how you're going to write the ship. And then, and you just do church, you know, you just do church. So mm -hmm. it is a, it is a very freeing thing. Yes, it absolutely is. Um, Casey, you were telling me earlier, just quickly, uh, what you were, you were talking to me about how, uh, Nam, I think maybe more specifically, IMB is so driven by numbers that, uh, what's not being told that's actually going on overseas is that there are being, there are people being put in positions of leadership in churches that aren't even converted. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit just briefly about that. All right. So here's what the, the missionaries um, have told me. And um, and this is just a conglomerate of stuff that seems to be common in the conversations. Um, so a lot of it goes back to an email that Paul Chitwood sent out in 2020 uh, that included a lot of red flags, um, some CRT and woke ideology, and it contained uh, some conservative resurgent voices and by the way, this particular article that was of grave concern is no longer online to be found. It was taken down. So that seems to be a theme. As soon as something um, doesn't measure up, just take it offline. Yeah. Anyway, here's some of the things. The IMB should actively pursue diversity and utilize functional racial uh, quotas. Okay. So that quotas. makes it, yeah, quotas. So your goal goals are based upon the shallowness of the skin color, which is, uh, you can't find that in scripture. Nevertheless, um, when addressing the riots of the summer of 2020, after the killing of George Floyd, Chitwood treats the killing as a racially motivated attack. And American police officers are targeting black people, he implied. And racial injustice is the context of the entire email. He also mentioned that uh, white people need to listen rather than learn um, the promotion of new training programs, including cultural sensitivity and unconscious bias training. And then new teams channel um, 
exclusively devoted to people of certain races. So you're basically, I mean, that, that is racism. That is racism. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just language. Like the world. I mean, that's a page right out of the leftist playbook and churches, quote unquote, are using it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just, um, no oh man. Here, and here's how that is funneled down to the missionary's experience. They have taken missionary strategists, young uh, girls with degrees from the seminaries or young, you know, people and placed them over veterans in the missionary field and placed upon them a rubric of pragmatism. They've got boxes to check off. And just to kind of summarize the process, a missionary would now be expected from the IMB to go in and identify a community leader. And then once they identify whom a community leader is, they teach them how to facilitate um, a Bible study in the home. And then they count that as a church plant and they move on. And here's what the missionaries are saying. We've got to do this so quickly that um, we are actually leading unconverted community leaders to be a church planter and facilitate a church. And this is what it's being called. And they're dying. They're not lasting. Well, obviously, they would not last. But nevertheless, the missionaries' hearts are torn out because they want to lead these people to Christ, but they're expected to continue to move on, to move on, to move on for the sake of numbers, which we've exposed before. The idol in the SBC is numbers. Yep. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Rick Warren proves that. Exactly. When Rick Warren stood up at the last convention and spewed all of his self-exaltative numbers and yep. the entire room stood and applauded yep. him. It just proved that numbers is the idol in the SBC. That is the goal. More, more, more. Yeah. And you don't see that in Scripture. It's simply trying to make the narrow road the right. broad road. It's not biblical soteriology or anything or missiology or anything. Right. So nevertheless, the missionaries have um, told me that when they do not comply, They'll be brought off of the field, brought back home. And NAM, or not at NAM, but the IMB will cancel their position. And so they don't have anything to go back to. So the job, the housing, the everything that they have invested their life in is no longer. And they reposition them to a different continent, to a different people. And if they don't comply, it's not three strikes you're out. The next one, you're gone. Oh, I'm serious. Oh, this man. is destroying lives and i'm not saying that all of the imb is doing this but the plethora of evidence coming in this direction proves that this is strategic this is actual this is what they're doing and obviously sin spreads like gangrene and this is just simply taking over so nevertheless that's what's happening and this is what southern baptist churches are giving toward and to try and curve this ship is uh, something that I'm not interested in doing. I'm interested in saving those who are willing to say, you know what, I, I yeah. want to do this in a more biblical way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to have the. You don't have to have NAM. You don't have to have IMB, the cooperative program, to do missions. You can do missions without any of that stuff. And and like you just said, it's 
um, your, your money when you give to it is going to this kind of stuff. And that is absolutely tragic. It's appalling on every level. Yeah. Uh, so Casey, let's follow up with something that you and I've discussed before. And I, I, I think it was our previous video, but, um, First Baptist Church, Orlando, baptizing homosexuals. Um, there's been some developments since then. So for those of you who have not seen that video, I'm going to put a link down below in the description. So if you're not sure what we're talking about, go and watch that, please, and, and you'll see. But um, First Baptist Church, Orlando, has been baptizing homosexuals. Uh, we showed photos of that. There's a, a Bible study group called the Gospel Gathering that... Um, I guess is not officially a part of the church itself, but it is a Bible study group comprised of members, at least mostly, if not completely, but mostly of um, first members of First Baptist Church Orlando and the gospel gathering itself. The members of that Bible study group are not a hundred percent homosexual, but a great, you know, a, a very significant part of that group is comprised of homosexuals. Uh, you can go to their Facebook page. And and by the way, all of this that we're talking about, this is not, you and I didn't go on a technological dumpster dive to find this. This is open. This is public information. Anybody can see it. Um, but there's uh, four administrators of this Gospel Gathering Facebook page um, one of whom is Joe Mills and Joe is, uh, a man who is the person that we talk about the first Baptist church, Orlando baptized. He's a homosexual. He is married to a man. Uh, we showed the pictures of that well-documented. We showed the picture, we showed the picture of him being baptized by Danny DeArmas, the associate pastor at first Baptist Orlando. And, um, he is an open homosexual now. You know, I've talked about, we've watched a couple of videos that he's in and he seems to be, seems to be a nice guy, you know, and our heart goes out to him. Um, mainly because he's, he's not being told the truth. He's, he's being mm -hmm. lied to by the people at first, the staff, David Youth and Danny DeArmas at First Baptist Orlando. He's being lied to these men, Youth and DeArmas, they know the truth. They know what the Bible says, but, um, they baptize him anyway and uncon, Clearly, he's unconverted because he's living an active homosexual lifestyle. Um, there's another man named David Spite. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. He's another administrator, and um, he is a homosexual. He is also married to a man. And I showed you some of the pictures that he's posted of himself, and I, I can't even – I'm not even going to put them up here because they're – he's – basically half naked and he's got a lot of these pictures of himself posted and yet he's an administrator of the gospel gathering which has their meetings at least a, a, a significant number of them at first baptist orlando in faith hall um danny DeArmas has taught this group before he has spoken there so it's not like the staff there at first baptist orlando doesn't know about them about mm -hmm. this group, they do. They absolutely yeah. do. Um, and some of the likes that these administrators have, they like things that are gay dating sites. And apparently, not that I clicked on it, I have no desire to, but apparently 
links to gay porn. And, and this is going on, and, and the staff at First Baptist Orlando is fully aware of it. Um, yeah. At least one of the members, at least one of the members of the Gospel Gathering is on staff at First Baptist Church Orlando. So all of that, I know I kind of I needed to lay a little bit of groundwork. But Casey, since our last video, someone pointed you to an, another video that is not only the church baptizing homosexual, actually this Joe Mills mm-hmm. person, individual, he is baptizing someone. He is, he is actively baptizing someone. And this happens at First Baptist Church, Orlando's baptistry. Let's, yeah. let's watch that real quick. Hey, Jari, and thank you so much. And we get the joy of being outdoors in the courtyard here on the first Sunday of the month today. We got eight people who are taking that next step in their spiritual journey, and they are surrounded by friends and family members and life group members. So I want you to meet the first couple right now. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay, dear ones, this is just a screenshot. So in the background, in the green shirt, uh, that is Jeff Thompson. He is part of the pastoral care on staff there at First Baptist Orlando. And uh, the man in the rear in the blue, that is Joe Mills, and he is the homosexual that we've been talking about who's married to a man, uh, active homosexual, living that lifestyle in the baptistry. Um, You see everyone wearing their T-shirts. That's what uh, First Baptist Orlando distributes to anyone being baptized and those apparently doing the baptisms with the words made new. And this is the baptistry on campus at First Baptist Orlando. Uh, my name is Dennis, and Jesus is my Lord. Right. My name is Carolyn, and Jesus is my Lord. Amen. And their friend Joe is here today to support, support them and give moral encouragement to them. So guys, it is our privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. have another couple coming in here so i want you guys to okay so casey i'm sorry to, to have gone on so long so what are your thoughts when when you see this you know my thoughts are from a, a pastoral standpoint is that um we should like the apostle peter correct someone like simon who is into it for the wrong reasons simon professed you know to be a christian and he jumped into getting baptized too quickly and Peter discerned real fast that uh, you're in it for the wrong reasons. And so um, not only do we need to have discernment to be able to see when people need counseling, but we also need to be able to just kind of slow things down a little bit and be personable with folks and share the truth of the gospel. So here's the error. Pastor David and Danny and the staff have not taken Joe Mills and the others uh, aside and talked with them personally and shared with them the error of their way and kind of stopped the process a little bit. So, hey, we need to hold up right here and get in alignment with the scriptures before this gets worse. They haven't done this. And so now it's gotten worse. Not only have they been baptized at First Orlando, but now it's progressed to where they are baptizing. Yes. And so you you just think, okay, you see the direction that this is going. Now, there's confusion out there in every way, shape, and form. 
those who have gone and, and spoken with Danny and David say, oh, no, 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 this or that. But now you go back and say, well, wait a minute. Danny says that this gospel gathering is not a part of First Orlando. But on the Gospel Gatherings Facebook, they say, we're so glad we found First Baptist Orlando, who approves of our life and accepts us. Yes. And you see pictures on their Facebook of them in Faith Hall, the fellowship hall there at First Baptist Orlando. You see them being baptized in their baptistry. They claim it. But yet Danny says something else one moment and then something else another moment. And so there's mass confusion. Well, I'm just simply saying, all right, look at the fruit, decide for yourself and make yeah. the best choice for your family. There, there's no, there's no denying this. I mean, there's, there's, you know, it's like, it's like trying to convince someone the sky isn't blue. Yeah. We'll just go out and look. It's obviously is. I mean, there's proof after proof after proof. I mean, these pictures don't lie. The videos don't lie. And, um, some, one of our, one of our vocal critics out there, Casey, uh, has went to trying to refute us, went to the statement of faith of First Baptist Orlando and found on their statement of faith where they affirm a biblical view of marriage and sexuality and say that homosexuality is a sin and blah, blah, blah. Well, a quick Google search again, you don't have to be Columbo, a quick Google search. This is a, this is a copying and pasted statement of faith that hundreds, if not thousands of churches are using of all denominational stripes, by the way. So it's, it's, you know, weak sauce, you know, surfacey kind yeah. of a statement of faith. But the thing is, is that false churches teach against their own statement of faith regularly. That's yeah. something they do. They have a basic statement of faith that would pass a basic doctrinal smell test, you know, just to give them a little cover. But they teach regularly. They teach against their own statement of faith. So this is not surprising. Yeah. In reviewing this in the editing process, I realized I should have said that false churches often not only teach, but primarily they practice against what they teach. They practice against their own statement of faith. They may put a public uh, show, a public facade of doctrinal orthodoxy, but behind the scenes, when it's just the church, what they practice contradicts their own statement of faith. Yeah. Exactly. It's, a, it's just the same trick of a wolf being in sheep's clothing. Right. You have to, on the surface, look uh, okay, at least basically okay. So, um, you know, for myself, um, not to belabor the subject, but this stuff keeps coming. The facts keep coming my way. And, uh, you know, as we were doing a mission. Out. People just bring it to you. No. Our, our church, we were, we were all... Uh, a good distance away doing a missions day. And it was a Saturday morning, last Saturday, just a few days ago. And um, one of the ladies in the neighborhood uh, came up and started talking to me. She knew I was one of the pastors there. And she just started talking to I me. Didn't and, know, I knew you were a pastor, but that's it. She's not watched yeah, any of yeah. our videos or anything like that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so this is an example of, of what you're fixing to show as to what kind of confusions going on out there and what people are actually seeing and dealing with. So here's what I'm saying. You can listen on a Sunday morning to what's being said at First Baptist Orlando from the poem, what's, you know, what's public. But then as well, you can look at what's going on and 
so nevertheless, this lady came and she started talking to me and um, and I said, hold on a second. Do you mind if I record your testimony here? And uh, she said, no, not at all. And then after we got through recording, she kept talking and gave even more information. I said, would you care if I shared this publicly? Because this would help people who are also dealing with these same things. And so that video is in your hands. Okay, so let's let's play that now. I got to get a testimony. You're a, a member of First Orlando. I am a member of First Orlando since 2003. Came here with the Jesus film. Okay. I will not longer go there. I'll watch him on TV. My favorite pastor, Danny Diarmas. Yeah. Now he's the one pushing is what I've heard. They accept the LGBT and Q queer. Uh, okay. And the Bible's very clear. God yeah. Adam, not Adam and Steve. Yeah. Not Eve and Maria, right? Right. Okay. So they not only accept them into the church, which would be fine. But they allow them to become members without renouncing their sin. Mm -hmm. They also allow them to teach from children to young adults. And you know this because you're a member. Wow. And I'm a member there. Wow. I'm only by association. I will remove my membership. I'm also a member of First Baptist um, in uh, First Baptist in uh, Muskegon, Michigan, where I became a missionary and came to Florida. Ah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Your name? And I work with people who live under the trees. Yeah. Never thought I'd be one of them for 18 months. Wow. So, Casey, I was, I was struck by this lady. Um, she says Danny Yarmus is one of her favorite preachers, and I guess she still watches online. But she says she is a member of First Baptist Orlando. And not only are there homosexual members of First Baptist Orlando, um, but apparently are even, according to her, are even in teaching positions, at least for <laughs> kids uh, up to young adults. They not only accept them into the church, which would be fine, but they allow them to become members without renouncing their sin. Mm -hmm. They also allow them to teach from children to young adults. And you know this because you're a member. Wow. And I'm a member there. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of got to leave it in her court with the credibility as to whether or not she's seen that or not and whether it is. I haven't. I have seen homosexuals serving. Uh, in person. That's, I went there when I was on my sabbatical and sat through all three services. And um, so there are homosexuals in areas of service there at First Baptist of Orlando. And um, there were homosexuals who are members. And um, to my understanding, some of that has been cleaned up and they've kind of backed up a little bit and not been so maybe loud and proud in that area. But nevertheless, if there are some who are homosexuals teaching. Um, I, I just don't know why anybody is left there at all. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, why anybody would stick around anyway, because the fact that you would take someone who is living in open sin and baptize them and put a First Baptist shirt T-shirt on them and put them in a welcoming position, that greeter, yeah. their members, they're, they're singing in the choir, they're on the praise, whatever. All of these, that is teaching. It may not be teaching to the standard to where scripture says teachers are held to a higher accountability on the day of judgment, but it is by way of example, mm -hmm. teaching a lot and you're telling right. a lot. It, it is the inclusive gospel. It is a different gospel. It is exactly what we're trying to share clearly with everybody. And once you go in this direction, it is a very steep downward direction. There's no pulling out. No. That this church is bought into this, and they have been going in this direction for years. 
They are highly invested into this. And no video, no backlash, no nothing is going to change the trajectory of this direction for First Baptist Orlando until they get new pastors, new leadership, and have a complete U-turn. This is the direction of the leadership, and you can talk to the staff members themselves. And if they will tell you the truth, you're going to get the same information. Yeah, that's right. And you have heard, you've lost count of how many people you've heard from, former members, current members, uh, people who used to be on staff. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've heard from a lot of people, and they all say the same thing, right? Yeah, same thing. They go through a season of being deeply hurt because they can't believe that their church has kept them in this lukewarm position for so long and slowly deceived them. Then they go into a a season of being angry at themselves for not seeing it sooner. Yeah. And they think low of themselves and and they have to kind of deal with that for a little while. And then they go through a season of remorse as if they've lost a loved one, because anytime you leave a church home, there's a grieving process that has to happen there. And then as well, um, church shopping or trying to find a new church is one of the most difficult things that any family could ever Mm -hmm. go through. Mm -hmm. And so it is just one layer of difficulty after another, after another, after another. And so I truly, um, feel for these families who are just in confusion. So the families who have contacted me, which are endless, have said the same things. That's the reason why I know it so succinctly and so clearly. And they're so thankful for these videos to expose the truth because it sets them free. They 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 want to know the truth. Yeah. And so yeah. Absolutely, Casey. And and um Casey, thank you very much for for joining me and, and helping us um, navigate all this and, and bringing all of this stuff to light. Again, this is stuff that has been brought to you. But um, my wife has said, and I think it's a great illustration, in every area of our lives, we seek out the best. We seek out, you know, we want the best mechanic to fix our car. We want the best dentist to fill our cavities. We want the best accountant to do our taxes. You know, we seek out people that are proficient in their field of expertise, except when it comes to the area of life that is by far the most important, and that is the shepherding of our eternal souls. That is the the leader, the elders of the church who are tasked with expositing scripture, shepherding our souls, feeding the flock, protecting from wolves, except when it comes to that, the thing that is the most important is like, ah, you know, it's okay. You know, you know, anything will do. You know, he makes me laugh. He makes me smile. He tells some good stories and they'll throw in a verse or two. And, you know, that's good. And, and it's a tragic commentary that the one thing in our lives that should by far be the most important thing we seem to be the most lackadaisical about. Yeah. And um, uh, in case of you and I both, we we do not hate homosexuals at all. Um, we're not trying to embarrass anyone. We're not, you know, again, this is everything we've talked about this is public information. People, these individuals have made it public. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they put it out there. Um, but we love them enough to tell them the truth and, and shame on first Baptist Orlando and the leadership. And I'm just going to say it for hating these people mm-hmm. by not telling them the truth. Yeah. Because scripture is crystal clear. 
First Corinthians chapter six, beginning of verse nine, Paul says, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor revilers, covetous, swindlers, drunkards will inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. I was very clear. If you die in that state, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will die and you will perish for all of eternity in a very real place that the Bible calls hell. That's the truth. That's what scripture teaches. The most loving thing we can do for someone is to tell them the truth. The most hateful thing to do is to know the truth and not tell them. That's the, that is the definition of hate to know the truth and not tell them. Um, so if anyone is watching, whether it's Joe or David or anyone else in the gospel gathering group, um, Casey and I love you enough to tell you the truth. And the truth is this, is that if you die in a, in that state of habitual unrepentant sin, homosexuality, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, Casey, I've told you before that when I share the gospel with someone, I don't have a tailor-made gospel for homosexuals. Like, right. and, and quite honestly, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, when you're talking to a homosexual, I mean, it's it, most of the time you can tell, right? Just by mannerisms and the way they dress or, you know, you, you can tell a lot of the time, uh, not all the time, but you can. But if and I've shared the gospel with many homosexuals, people that I knew, I could obviously tell were gay. Um, I don't have a special tailor-made gospel presentation for homosexuals. I share the gospel with a homosexual the same way that I do with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, yes, homosexuality will send you to hell, but you've got all and all of us do. We've got a million other sins in our lives that will also send us to hell. And mm-hmm. so I give the gospel to a homosexual same way I do with anybody else. Mm-hmm. The only time that it's necessary to drill down on the issue of homosexuality is, is if someone professes to be a Christian and a homosexual at the same time. Yeah. Then you have to. Um, but if someone truly gets saved, if you present the gospel to a homosexual and God saves that person through that gospel, mm-hmm. guess what's going to go away? The homosexuality. They'll repent. Yeah. And I've got firsthand testimonies of those yeah, who right. have called me from First Baptist Orlando and said that when I truly got saved, that desire for the lifestyle became a hatred, not a love. Yes. Yes. And. The testimonies are beautiful. And now they have turned on First Orlando and said what Mm. they're doing is absolute hatred towards the homosexuals. Inclusiveness is hatred towards the homosexuals. But truth is actual love. That's right. Amen to that. Amen. And Casey, those people that have contacted you, they have joined the ranks. They went from 1 Corinthians 6 nine and 10 and they jumped over into verse 11 because it's there that Paul says such were some of you, you were those things, but you're not anymore. You were a drunkard. You were a reviler. You were uh, an adulterer. You were a homosexual, mm-hmm. but you're not anymore. And then you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. So that's the beauty of the gospel. And, and I just, um, I want to close there. Anyone who is watching, whether you're straight, homosexual, whatever, if here's the gospel, 
you are a sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, Paul says in Romans 6.23. Because we have sinned against an eternal God, the punishment of that sin is also eternal. And if we die in our sins, we'll very rightly, very justly go to a very real place that the Bible calls hell, where the worm will not die, the fire will not be quenched. There'll be wailing, weeping, gnashing of teeth, and it will never end. That's the bad news. That's what our sins have earned. But God has made a way of escape. God has given good news. And the good news of the gospel is this. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And Jesus was this one person, is this one person with two natures, truly God, truly man. And the God-man, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life on this earth to the complete satisfaction of God the Father. And then Jesus willingly laid down his life on the cross. His life was not taken. He gave it. And on the cross, this perfect person offered his perfect life as a perfect sacrifice to perfectly satisfy the perfect wrath of God. Died on the cross three days later, bodily raised from the dead, proving himself to be who he said he was, God in human flesh. And the only way to have the wrath of God removed is that you must have righteousness. And dear friends, you and I have no righteousness of our own. We must have the righteousness of someone else. And his name is Jesus. Our sins imputed to Jesus when he was on the cross and his righteousness is imputed to us when we turn from sin, repent of sin, and place our trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is good and it is right to warn people to flee from the wrath to come. It is good and it is right to warn people to flee from hell. But just as much as we should want a Savior from hell, we should want a Savior from sin. The Bible speaks of two different kinds of sorrow over sin, a worldly sorrow and a godly sorrow. A worldly sorrow, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, leads to death. A godly sorrow leads to repentance unto salvation. A godly sorrow comes when we grieve over our sin because we understand that our sin grieves God and we do not want to grieve him, his person. He has been so good, so kind, so generous, so faithful, so merciful to us. And we do not want to sin against him because our sin grieves us. That is a godly sorrow. So if you want a savior from hell, but not a savior from sin, then you have a savior from neither. But if you will come to Christ in a true godly sorrow over your sin, wanting a savior, not only from hell, but also from sin, if you will come to Christ and confess your sins before him, ask him to save you. If you come to him in that godly sorrow, he will. Jesus says, the one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. You'll pass from death to life. The wrath of God removed. The righteousness of Christ is yours. And Jesus will be your reward for all of eternity. That is the good news of the gospel. And that is what Casey and I want for each and every single person watching this right now. Casey, thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Man, may may many people come to faith through the gospel. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. Yes, it does. 
Hey there, my name is Pastor Casey, and I'd like to invite you to Beulah Baptist Church, Winter Garden, Florida, for an amazing conference that you do not want to miss. Phil Johnson, Justin Peters, and Susan Heck are coming December 10, 11, and 12. They'll be teaching every day on the things that are creeping into the churches abroad. So we'll be exposing worldliness and encouraging everyone to stand upon sound doctrine. I encourage you to come. It's a free conference, but please email us and let us know you're coming. There'll be a lot of food, so we want to prepare accurately. We are family integrated, so families worship together here. There's a playground outside. The sessions are live inside and outside, and so it'll be a tremendous time. Hope to see you there. Okay, dear ones, thank you very much for watching. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.